answer that question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not? Chasing history. Jake Larson. I needed to find this Shaka Khan song. I couldn't think of the name of it, and so I had to stop in the middle of the sidewalk. And two-time Nebraska walk-on tryout participant Colton Stone. <laughs> I'm putting a 12-6 that only has a 12 right at the batter's head. <laughs> yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. Good morning, beautiful people. It's 10 a.m. on a Friday. You know what that means? It's Chasing History Time, Chasing History on 90.3 KRNU Lincoln. Colton Stone alongside, as always, the cousin you avoid at the family reunion you only go to every three years, Jake Larson. Jake, how are you? It's a foggy morning. Like that intro? I didn't didn't know you knew that about me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, you know, yeah, I, I appreciate it, especially since knowing later. We get some sunshine going later yeah. on in the day, and so about right now we kind of get that morning fog, very aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be one of those things where uh, one of those days. Oh well, yeah, you need your heater in the morning, and then you need your sunglasses and the windows down in the afternoon because it's gonna be seventy-one. Those are my those are my kind of days personally. I like those. Or or there's the there, both worlds. well yeah or there's there uh, the days where no matter which way you're driving you're just staring right into the sun not today because the fog and, yeah. and the clouds and everything but yeah I mean weather will get better it, it's one like you look at the the rest of the week it's like the temperatures are fine it's just you know four of the seven days it's going to be rain or thunderstorms but you know whatever. Baseball weather, you know, gotta exactly. play through thunderstorms sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. Who cares if you're playing with a metal bat? Anyways, I'm gonna let you know we got a surprise story submission. Who other? The Keith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, I remember reading this article when it came out because my grandpa had sent it to me. And this uh, upcoming weekend being the final four, I thought now would be a good time to read and comment on this article uh, called Three Man Weave. Mm. And it's by Chuck Klosterman, who wrote for Grantland back in the day, a great website. Um, it was from 2011, if I didn't mention. Anyway, the subtitle for for this is There are underdog stories, and then there's what happened in North Dakota in 1988. So more than 23 years ago, a pair of low-profile junior college basketball teams played on a forgotten played a forgotten game on a neutral floor in southeast uh, North Dakota. The favored team was a school best known for its two-year forestry program, and the underdog was a minuscule all-Native American college whose campus is located right outside of Bismarck, uh, North Dakota Airport. You've probably never heard of either school, and in all likelihood, you'll probably never hear of either one again. And if you remember this game, you probably played in it. Games described like this um, are typically earn that classification because they deserve to disappear traditionally. It's a modifier historians use to marginalize or dismiss a given event. But this game is forgotten in an actual sense because there's no there's no record of existence. However, the writer of this just happened to be at this game. He's one of uh, the fewer than 500 uh, people that were in attendance, and there's no videotape. It's not televised. It was not broadcast on radio, and only a few small North Dakota newspapers uh, covered this event. And then, <laughs> anyway, well, as he says, Googling the contest details is like searching for a glossy photograph of Genghis Khan. The game has disappeared from the world's consciousness, buried by time and devoid of nostalgia. 
And this game, like you said, it doesn't even qualify as trivia. But, quote, something crazy happened in this game. In this particular game, the team won with three players on the floor. And this was not a metaphorical victory, a moral victory. They literally won the game 84 to 81, and they played the final 66 seconds three on five. To refer to this as David and Goliath, David and Goliath battle devalues the impact of that cliche. It's more like a blind one-armed David fighting Goliath without a rock. <laughs> Yet there is no trick to win this, and there is no deception. The team won playing exactly how you'd expect, and the crazy part is that it absolutely worked. <laughs> so, wanted to mention, um, let me get the names of these schools here. Um, Webster, Webster Junior College um, was able to beat... Uh, what was it? North Dakota. Hold on here. Missed the names here. Um, North Dakota State University at Botanou. And Webster. Don't you forget, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like he said, it's a for- forgettable game. But. How many times have you heard of a team winning a game while playing three versus five? Okay, so didn't this happen? 88. Well, I'm not saying a team that won. Didn't this happen like last year where Alabama played all, like, I don't know if they ended up having to play with three guys, but there was definitely a threat to where they were potentially going to have to play with three guys. I'll have to look it up. But I think almost in recent years, I don't think they won, but I think Alabama, because of injuries and scholarship players, I think they had to play with three or four guys on five. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'll look that up, but no, I I don't know another team that has won with three guys on the court. Excuse me, it was actually wait, okay. Do they do they even have a name for it? No, because no. Botnew was excuse me, Botnew was the other school, but oh, United Tribes Technical College, because I, they kept mentioning Webster, and apparently in in the article I was just sent this. In um, probably next week, what we can do is dive into give this a real deep statistical dive. Okay, I found it. It didn't right. take very long. So here's the headline: Alabama plays ten plus minutes with three players after ejections, fouls, injury. Um. So they played Al or uh, Alabama played Minnesota, and three players they were left with three players on their entire after their entire bench was ejected following a wild scuffle then two of its remaining five players departed because of one fouled out and one got injured and so for the final 10:41 they played with three guys and they cut the deficit to 3 83 to 80 with 132 left before losing to a ranked I mean both teams were ranked but to a top 15 ranked Minnesota 89-84 so I don't know what they were trailing. I'd have to find how much they were trailing by before it went down to ten guy or went down to three guys. But still, I mean, you you think you'd find a way to exploit that, right? I mean, <laughs> you would think you would figure something out. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they know more than I do. So, there was another time it happened though. What's up? Was there so, yeah, another so time that this happened? Yeah, in this game, three on five for the last few seconds. And not only that, but United Tribes Community College is not a college basketball powerhouse, as you might say. Would have fooled me. Come, come on. <laughs> you now, now Saint Bot- or NDSU Botany, on the other hand, 
anyway, so this is just kind of a preview for what we'll be getting into next week. I was reminded of this on short notice, but I mean, that's okay because we got plenty of other things we're here to discuss for today's show. We got baseball starting up. Yeah, up for 30 four. minutes, I'm just going to read box scores. Right, it's going to well, be All right, yeah. Crazy. Today, we, Colton was texting me on, a, I think it was Tuesday. And he was mentioning it. I think I have some. I have some good box scores. I'm you like, know, we need to take your time out on a Monday. We've coined it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've done this all week pretty much. I know we've been coining it like, oh, baseball beat down of the week. And, and those are fun. You know, oh, someone won 30 to 3. That's fine. Whatever. But. Right. But, <laughs> but I have now found like the shut your program down like series of the weekends. Right. And I've also found some of the most confusing ones because. Um, well, well, you'll see when I read some of the scores, okay. but, um, we'll get into that in all about right. five, 10 minutes. I'm just trying to like pull those open, but, uh, some of them are wild. I, that's all I'll say, but give me a second here. Um, we're prepared. We're really prepared. You know, at least I sent myself emails of, of the games and teams I'm supposed um, to look at. Yeah. I, I, while we hold that up, I was seeing some statistics, um, for those who don't, follow him and would be interested i would definitely recommend yeah at two birds one stone you're right that's who Uh, that's where you can follow me at mlb random stats (laughs) jeremy frank who is a he is a uh high school senior but spends a lot of his time on baseball reference so like me but he takes time to actually tweet out some of the interesting things that he finds out about this season and he connects with his social media audience yes exactly (laughs) i just kind of say I want to be Adrian Martinez when I grow up and then get one retweet and then call it a day. And then um, realize you can't age backwards. Exactly. The whole now, Benjamin Button now, thing. I can figure you know. something out. <laughs> um, so, one second here. Uh, all right. I have one more to open here, I think. Oh, I remember now. And some of these are softball. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that out there, too. Some of these softball games that I found, um, a lot of these are from Tuesday and Wednesday. And I usually I usually try to go back to last week and then use the entire week, but mm-hmm. some of them were just like too good to to omit from from this week's show. So anyway, uh, Chris Davis of not uh, Crush Davis for formerly Oakland, Crush but, Davis, but Chris Davis for uh, Baltimore, who at one point well, that's was confusing the... because Chris Davis used to play for Baltimore, didn't he? Well, no, because there's there's two Chris Davises, one with a K and one with a C. Well, one with a K plays for the Orioles, right? No, one with a C plays for the Orioles. One with right. a K plays for. Oh. But the one with the K has never played for the Orioles. Yes. All right. I don't anyway, know. I'm confused. Chris Davis. You got me. Remember, man. about five, six years ago, he hit like 53 home runs. Uh, back with the Adam Jones-led Baltimore Orioles. Um, those were some pretty good teams earlier in the decade. Right. Um, he was their big-time slugger. Anyway, his career OPS has dropped by over 50 points. In his last 339 games. So he played in nine, his first 962. He had a career OPS of 839. Which is pretty good for a career. Mm-hmm. However, over his last 339 games, his slash line has been, he's batted 190 with a 283 on base percentage. And slugging percentage of 363. Which, those, those are worse than... Oh, we just need a shortstop to field numbers. And the thing is, he's a first baseman. He's just there to hit home runs. And he's hitting. And like, that. that's seriously, when you look at, like, teams from the 70s and 80s where they'd have this, like, a 5'10", 150 shortstop, 
who bats like you know these exact numbers, but it's like, hey, he still gets two defensive, you know, his he's got a two D WAR uh, over the last season, so who cares? But again, he is there to hit, and he, so. Hmm. Well, Crush Davis. Not Crush and Davis. And only that, Crush Davis has hit the last three seasons. Has Crush seasons, Davis gotten a hit yet this year? I don't know, but over the last three seasons, I think each year and this year's spring training, he's batted to exactly 248. Hmm. Not exactly crushing, but. It's either he's one of those guys where it's either he swings and it's either a home run or a strikeout. He's Barry one of the Bonds. he's one of the well the difference was that Barry Bonds walk was also in play. Well, yeah, he was he was one of the he had one of the three true outcomes, which for those who don't know, the three true outcomes are strikeout, home run, or walk. And so in other words, plays you don't have to run. And anyway, Bonds was a leader of that just because of how you could run he was, on because a walk, he always I guess, but... because he always walked. Mm-hmm. And he he never struck out like he it was either a home run or a walk for him seriously because there were seasons where he had an OPS of like uh, or an on base percentage um, I it was like sixty and mm-hmm. two thousand one and two thousand four his on base percentage was above sixty like what is that like to face a guy where it's like he's gonna be on base we're just gonna have to accept this we'd rather walk him than even try to strike him out yeah exactly yeah. I don't know. And that's and honestly, um, Christian Yellick, I do not like him being a Cubs fan at all. But his numbers since um, the All Star break have been exact. Uh, Barry Bonds, two thousand one to two thousand four numbers. Like he has an on base percentage almost at five hundred, and mm-hmm. his OPS is one point two, which is that's that's Barry Bonds level right there. If it's one point two or higher, you're just like, all right. We're just gonna have to let him get. But on you're not base. gonna win the MVP. That's just how it works. Yeah, exactly. Like you have. You're to. gonna finish ninth. Yeah. So, um, before we get into more baseball, uh, I know I texted you about this one too. Uh, Twenty years now mm-hmm. since UConn beat Duke in the title game. Yeah. Uh, and good, very good, very good title game as well. It, yes, it was a great game. And the reason it's of importance, and we're not gonna get too much into it, honestly, but the reason it's imp- of importance. Is because UConn was a nine and a half point underdog um, to Duke. Also, you know, now you and I, I'm sure, you know, I was two. You would have been a year and a half. You and I now would think of UConn being like, oh, like UConn, they're a basketball school. Like they're going to win titles. And even right here in the story, 2004, 2011, 2014. So like our you know, formative years of, of basketball. They they were good at basketball. Yeah. Um, but, like, going yeah, the first, into that. The first, like, NCAA tournament, like, I remember mm-hmm. um, was when they won the national championship, for example. So, like, I kind of grew up like, oh, yeah, UConn, they must be, like, really good. Right. So, so you look at that, and, it, and it's kind of crazy to, like, even go back, you know, 20 years and be like, oh, no, actually, they weren't they were good but they weren't great you know i mean yeah the 90s they started to get where they were with thanks in part to having uh, ray allen on their team and then mid, early to mid 90s that will always help out your basketball program well, yeah and the other thing too and and the other part of why this is relevant um to this week uh the auburn tigers and the texas tech road raiders um will be attempting something that hasn't been achieved since 1999 which is winning 
winning a national title in your first Final Four appearance, which is, again, why UConn mm-hmm. is important yep. in this case. But nine-and-a-half-point underdog. It was the biggest title game spread of the past 20-plus years. Uh, the Huskies covered it, then some, and they won 77-74 to against a 37-1 and Blue Devils. Now, I'm not sure who was on that 99 team because um, – uh, Rip Hamilton. Okay. For UConn. For Duke – I'm yeah, pulling, for Duke, I'm not sure. I'm pulling up the NBA draft because uh, for that year. Because Duke. Because, uh. no, because seriously, I do know that, like, in the top 15, like, four guys from Duke were drafted. So, number one draft pick for that team was the number one well, overall like draft Leitner pick. not or anybody. So. Yeah. Overall number one draft pick in 1999 was Elton Brand out of Duke, a sophomore. Okay. And then you have the number 11 pick. Was Trajan Langdon of Duke? Of course. Oh, of course. Uh, Corey Maggette at 13. And then 14 was William Avery, who was a point guard. And then let's see if there is any other Duke draft pick. Oh, we have a Nebraska guy. Uh, Vincent Hamilton, who would actually never play in the NBA. But that if four guys for your team were in the first 14 picks. Mm-hmm. So... A lot of people forget that that Duke team was one of the best college basketball teams in history, but we remember Rip Hamilton playing Rip Hamilton basketball and helping UConn win that national champion, surprise national championship Here, over him. Here are some other little tidbits about you know why UConn was such a massive underdog. Uh, Duke defeated all 19 ACC opponents they faced regular season and. In the tournament, they were thirty-seven and two. Yeah, yeah, thirty-seven and one. Well, well two after yeah, they lost. Thirty-seven and one going into. Uh, but they defeated everybody uh, by one, double digits. And not only that, the one game that they lost was versus number fifteen Cincinnati um, in the in a mid-season tournament in Alaska. They lost by two points. Oh well. So, uh, so their two losses combined were by seven points. Yeah. Um, carried a thirty-two game winning Wait. streak into the title game. But after losing that Cincinnati game, right? Yeah, yeah. No, because or sorry, by five they by only five. Went, yeah they only lost by three. <laughs> that's, that, nice, that's that's a nice point differential. <laughs> yeah, um, and then so they had a thirty-two game winning streak going into the title game, and then like we said, five future top fifteen NBA draft picks: Elton Brand, Shane Battier, Trajan Langdon, and Corey Maggette, and William Avery. Um, and they basically just hadn't been the, tested. One of the better. Uh, Probably college basketball players in one of the best players in Duke history when he played. Right. Well, and, I, and not only that, he was a guy that was, you know, that year, like, yeah, his senior year and his best year was in 2001. Mm-hmm. But he was still a really, really good player in 99. Arguably a, I wouldn't even say arguably, it's probably true. Just he was a better college player than he ever was in the NBA. Oh, absolutely. But. He was player of the year in college, like a unanimous or close to unanimous player of the year in college. Right. Um. Because he shot like forty percent from behind the arc, um, was one of his main things. He was a good shooter. He's a good scorer. But his main thing too was he averaged for his career. He averaged over two steals and two blocks a game. He was a def- he was a monster on defense, and he was in the NBA as well. He was one of the few guys in the NBA when he played um, at the three spot who was better on defense, much better on defense than he was on offense. And he was still a good player in the NBA. Okay, so before I get into what the real point of me going into the UConn game is, um, I just want to read what one of the quotes from 
Jim Calhoun was. Jim Calhoun, UConn head coach from 86 to 2012. I believe he's coaching like a high school team in like Northeast Connecticut or something. Nice. I don't know what he's doing. Um, he just, you know, what if, what if, just uh, warming it up. What if uh, Bo Pelini was just like coaching like Pius X or something right now? <laughs> And now running out on the field, the three and nine or three and four, and just fill in the blank with any like D one like high school oh, football. Yeah. He's coaching eight man football out in Western oh, Nebraska. He's a six man coach. Dude, that, that team would have some. Real He'd be grit. playing. They'd have some grit on that team. <laughs> I tell you, uh, Jim Calhoun. Again, you know whatever he's out there doing. Uh, he quoted saying, "We were a nine point underdog." We use that as a little bit of motivation. How can you play in the best league in America, go 33-2, and two, and nobody thinks we can hang in brackets? Duke, we're with Duke because he didn't actually say it. But um, we were tougher, older. Mentally, we were more prepared. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens a lot when it comes when to When you that. have Rip Hamilton on your team. Well, that might, that might be but part no, of yeah, it, But, no, yeah, I'm looking at their schedule right now, and they were <laughs> they're, – Because they're in the Big East, right? Who? No, I'm looking at Duke. Oh, like what? How good they were. They played at North Carolina, who was 14 that year, and they beat them by 20 on the road. Like, and that was and that was North Carolina's senior night, and they beat them by 20. Zion, who? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I think you know if Zion really pans out, he'll be the next Elton Brand. I think there's no question about that. So, but what was UConn's record? Do you UConn have that by chance? Because they were probably in the Big yeah, East by that I time. I can pull that up right here. They were going – they were finished this season number three. Um, U, or UConn, I mean, they were 34-2 and two as well. Um, they had right. lost two games in the conference. But they were – like, yeah, we mentioned all oh, this was their first Final Four appearance. But it was somewhat expected. Like, they were a really good team. Yeah, well. that, and I think that was Jim Calhoun's point. It was like, yeah, we're a nine-and-a-half-point underdog, but – they yeah they were very uh, and the Big East, if you rem- I mean you, you don't have to watch it to remember, but if you remember the Big East from, honestly probably from that ninety nine UConn team, mm-hmm. till about, you know when they folded, yeah. Um, well, I mean in the eighties, Big East, East was basketball. And well, I feel like it always was even in the eighties because you had like Patrick Ewing on Georgetown. Oh yeah, Georgetown, Villanova, and, Marquette, still. Mm-hmm. And, like, but I think it in, just like in Georgetown, in Georgetown, Syracuse in the eighties was one of the best. Syracuse, yeah, one of the best periods of a college basketball rivalry, rivalry, mm-hmm. um, in college basketball history. And it I was know very my vicious between the two, like Miami and Virginia Tech used to be. Big East for football. I don't know if they ever were for basketball. But yeah, they, they, were, they, they were. They were full affiliates of the conference. So, I mean, you had those two um, also, whether they were good at basketball or not. It's a mm-hmm. different story. But point being, I I mean, again, formative years of basketball. Like, I was so sad. Well, I, and I root for Marquette, so that's part of it. And I started, I, you know, I have a, um, you know, kind of a love for Xavier basketball too, just because they're kind of small you know, small area basketball. But it was also because of uh well now they're in the big east, but they were in the A ten at the time. But that like region of basketball to me has always been super interesting where it's you know, northeast basketball, it's really good and it just that's what I would watch. If it was Syracuse Notre Dame on a random, you know, Tuesday night, yeah, yeah. my eyes are glued to it. I don't know. I, I I Big East basketball, real big east basketball will be missed forever. But 
That, that's all I have to say. Even though, like, half, you know, most of the Big East now is old Big East teams. It's just not mm-hmm. the ACC teams anymore. Yeah, exactly. But that was, like, the super conference. 16 teams. Yeah, exactly. And, those and the, they those were all the, good. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a couple that they kind of had to put in there to get the 16 quota. Like, uh, St. John's. South, South Florida. Um, oh, yeah. Central Florida was in the, you know, some of the, who would eventually be part of the American Athletic. Um, and they just Was UCF have, in there? Yeah, they were. Rutgers was probably in there too. Rutgers was in there, yes. Um, uh, and they le- yeah, they left. But usually the top twelve were the bottom four were even St. John's was good too. Like I'm not oh, I'm yeah. not saying St. John's as in like haha. Oh no, because yeah, I mean they had some I think they might have won a national championship uh, in the eighties. Let me look that up. Because I know they've had Chris Mullen, um, was one of their players back in the day, which is why he's coaching them now. Uh I'm trying to think of who Meta World Peace was a former uh, Ron Artest. Yeah, I couldn't think of his original name. Uh, oh, his but, birth name. Well, yeah, because okay, so St. John's made it to the Final Four in '85, mm-hmm. so they had some good teams in the '80s as well. Yeah, they're currently well, Chris Mullen, right? Yeah, Chris yeah. Mullen was kind of who led them. I'm um, gonna bring up career individual or season individual records here. Um, Mark Jackson. Uh, and then, yeah, some of these game, uh, names I'm a little familiar with, like uh, Malik Seeley, if you're familiar with him at all. No. I've just heard the name. I think he was an NBA Jam 99. I think that's why I remember him. But, yeah, Mark Jackson um, as well as Chris Mullen were both uh, alums. And you might not have heard of this name, um, but Felipe Lopez, do you know him at all or heard of him before? No, I do not. He played it. Uh, St. John's, and he didn't really pan out in the M- NBA. And uh, but when he was recruited, he was like one of the next big things. He was a he was a wing that could just shoot lights out and was really quick. But he just never really panned out in the NBA. And he was, and in college, he was still very good, but he was not what he's expected to be. He was the MVP of the McDonald's All American game when he mm. played. So also, Texas won the national championship last night. The NIT National Championship. Oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to die really quick. All right. Um, see you later. I guess I have to just do the show on my own. Uh, remember when the NIT used to be uh, a bigger deal than, like, people yeah, would remember, turn down the March Madness to, bids? Yeah, I remember back, during the, back in the uh, Great Depression. I remember those days. Uh, anyways, I just wanted to It I was, remember, it was I on remember, the sidebar. I remember here. writing my wife while I was at war saying, hey, did Nebraska accept their NIT bid? She wrote back three months later. No. That is they lost. Well, um, safe. Okay, so bringing the culmination of the whole point of the 20 years of UConn is the biggest NCAA tournament point spread upsets of the 64-team era. Now, this was written – well, it looks like it was written about two years ago. Um, but I think it was updated – uh, with UMBC, and I don't think there were any others recently in the past two years that that would have needed to be added to it, but updated to today's standards, yeah. right? Um, so I'll just go through a few of them. I'll probably just go through maybe the top five or six, and then hit some of the other ones. But uh, number one, which is a little close to my heart, not because I was there, but I went to the the Sun 
I think the Saturday or Sunday session of this weekend. It was when it was in Omaha. Um, number 15, Norfolk State, and number two, Missouri. Um, mm-hmm. It was It's the biggest tournament upset win in the 64-team era. 21-and-a-half point spread. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. Where was what? the – what was the final? Um, oh, yeah, good. Don't give me the final score. I didn't want it anyways. Um, let's just let's just make one up. Oh no! Here it is. I found okay. it. <laughs> Norfolk State eighty six, Missouri eighty four. So you're a twenty one and a half point underdog. Now I know you only won by two, but you're a twenty one and a half point underdog. That's, that's still you still covered. So. Um, I, if you can't win, cover. Yeah, there um, you go. Um, and then it, oddly enough, that was the that was the year that uh, turned out to be one of two wins by a fifteen seed over a two that day. The only time that happened in tournament history. I remember I remember that. As day Lehigh very well. beat Duke as a twelve point underdog. I remember so, that day very well. So think about that. Lehigh. Now maybe I know Missouri was really good that year, or they were yeah. supposed to be, you know. Um <laughs> but Duke only being a twelve point favorite over Lehigh. Then you go back to ninety nine and why are they a nine and a half point no? But uh but that's just you know, that's uh just shows you the range that a two and fifteen matchup can even have so. Uh, March sixteenth, twenty eighteen, round of sixty four. Number sixteen, UMVC. Number one, Virginia. The closing line was Virginia as a twenty and a half point favorite. And then you know UMVC won by twenty points. Um, so maybe it should have been the other way around. But seventy four fifty four is the final of that. I remember I was in St. Louis watching that game. Um, uh. Just like, you know, Sylvia was talking with her aunt, and I was just like on the couch, and I was like, "Yeah, you, uh, I'm just gonna watch this." I and um, I remember I was just losing it. I remember uh, that game because or no, I was I watched the their game against Kansas State. I watched the other one here, but the, I was waiting for AAA to change my blown out tire. And we we pulled into a cemetery. We just had to pull in somewhere, and we just realized <laughs> it was a cemetery. And then we were waiting. And I was freaking out because, uh, like, I ha- couldn't connect to my phone. Then I finally did. And so I'm like, okay, let's, you know, while we wait. Let's see how much Virginia's winning let's go, by, right? Let's, yeah, let's go on Twitter. Let's see if my Final Four predicted winner, Virginia. <laughs> you you, you continued, and many others. Continued the streak of 16th or number one seeds beating 16th seeds. I'm sure – this didn't change at all, and I'm sure that even if it did, it's not by two. Oh, they're losing by twenty. All right, well, they, <laughs> all right. And it well. wasn't even. And that was the thing is like it wasn't even. Uh, well, here the game was tied at twenty-one at halftime. So first of all, the game was just boring as all as all get out, right? Yeah. Like, which is watching Virginia play any basketball game. It's not like, man, I really hope that guy doesn't go put a stick on my car. Um. Uh. Don't mind me. Uh, <laughs> All right. I, I could I could just see the uh, p- parking meter guy driving up the street, and I just hope he he takes his time and doesn't doesn't stop out here. He just, um, he, he just, he's probably listening right now. He just now. gets into your car and just drives off. <laughs> he didn't expect this. Uh, if you're listening, don't this put it. Take we, it on my car. This is what we do to uh, long time, long time <laughs> offenders. Instead of putting a boot on your car, we just take it. We're just, we're, you know what you need to do? You need to get a boot and park somewhere legal. Just put the boot on there. And they're like, all right, he's been taken care of. But see, the thing is, 
Now we're getting off topic. It's chasing history. Um, <laughs> By the way, ninety point three Karen, you chasing history. <laughs> Coldstone, Jake Larson. Um, the thing with that though is usually when they put a boot on your car, they also put like that sticker that you can't like peel. Like I don't know how you're supposed get one to peel of, get one of those too. <laughs> <laughs> but make it make it like a window oh. cling so that you can take it off and put it back on. There you go. Anyways, okay, so UMBC. Yeah, okay. So they're they're tied at 21 at halftime because Virginia plays boring basketball. Um, but they outscored Virginia 53-33. to 33, uh, I mean, obviously, by 20 points uh, in the second half alone. So it's, it's also crazy that at some point you're like, okay, you know, it's tied. And this happened with Gardner-Webb this year for Virginia, too. It's like, okay, you know. Virginia just isn't expecting them to even be able to play the game of basketball. But then UMBC is like, no, we can actually like play basketball. And I think what's crazy with with how they played, and I, I think this is how all 16 seeds should play, and maybe they do, and I'm just like, you know, being Captain Obvious here, but just play fast, shoot threes, just like shoot the uh, you know, shoot whenever. Okay. Like shoot so, with three seconds in the shot clock. I don't was, care. There was a and this this relates. Just hold on here. But there was It'll a, come full circle. We're only on number two here. Yeah. So. And so there was a skit on a Comedy Central show. I believe it was um the Nick Kroll show or something mm-hmm. like that. And they had a skit and it was called The Legend of Larry Bird. Right. Yeah. And you've showed it. And I've shown it to you. So Anyways, in the skit, he they're about to lose their farm, and the only way they can save it is for Larry Bird to enter the mid-range shooting contest, <laughs> and they tell him no. It's because, you know, your dad says shooting's for show-offs. Your father always loves his fundamentals. <laughs> and I always think of that, like, that sentence when I'm watching Virginia basketball. Like, you know, shooting's for show-offs. <laughs> You, you love fundamentals. They just chest pass all game. Pretty much. I mean. <laughs> just Princeton offense, chest pass around. It's like, you're, you're in the ACC. Make it 84-86. Come on. Yeah, I know. And that's a, that's a crazy thing. We were talking, I, I've talked about this before, too. Like, it's Virginia, it's UNC. Okay. I love fundamentals. UNC, Virginia, and Duke, basically, right? Those are the top three any given year for the most part. And when they play each other, they're always the best games. But what's crazy is when Duke plays UNC, it's like, oh, it's going to be like 92 to 90, (laughs) triple over, you know, or whatever, you know, overtime or anything. And then you play Virginia, it's like, oh, 68 to 64. And it's like, how how do they make teams suck? I mean, that's basically the question. It's like... When you when you look at like the original Olympic basketball games from like nineteen twenties when they'd play on outdoor ten like clay tennis courts, it's like and the final score was sixteen to ten. It's like what? That's a real. There was a thirty-five mile an hour wind out of the west. Yeah, they're playing. They're you know USA was playing a half court offense back then. I guess is guess part of it. Oh, all right. Number three. <laughs> Let's just keep moving. Where are we going to get to the box scores for baseball? In about three minutes. All That's right. my goal. Right. Uh, I'm just going to run through a couple of these extra ones. So uh, March 18th, 1993, round of 64. Number 15, Santa Clara uh, versus number two, Arizona. Arizona. Um, Santa Clara was the first 20-point upset in the 64-team era when it shocked Damon Stoudemire in Arizona in 1993. They trailed by as many as 13 in the second half. 
but Arizona shot just 25% in that half. And Santa Clara point guard, you may have heard of him, Steve Nash had 10 points. Mm-hmm. But Pete Eisenrich's 19 fueled the upset win. Santa Clara 64, Arizona 61. I, don't, I, I like how I said, mm-hmm, that this is Steve Nash. I just is like, oh, yeah. I, that guy, have you heard of that, that guy? Ring, that rings a bell. That rings a bell. You know? I wonder what he's doing right yeah. now. He uh, played He played. Uh, he played a few years in the NBA, right? Oh, I think he played for the Lakers. Yeah, yeah uh, for a year? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he did before that. Um. It's a two-time MVP. Yeah, <laughs> but um, Steve no, Nash didn't deserve those MVPs. Oh no, he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole nother. That we're gonna need a three-hour like, show. I was just gonna, waiting for you to be like, "What?" And I'm like, oh, and it was gonna get. You weird, just hear me smash a computer. What? <laughs> no, no, I'm glad. Take it back. He was. I mean, he was a fantastic player. But oh yeah, no. but come on. The, they gave Steve Nash. Not again. Let's just get off topic really quick. They oh, gave man. Steve Nash yep. the MVP in the best years of Kobe Bryant. Exactly. Like, the, and and that's not saying that the other years of Kobe Bryant weren't good, but but those were the best years of Kobe Bryant. Um, let me run through these next two really quick while you presumably look up things about Kobe Bryant. Steve I'm sure. Nash, yep. Steve Nash. Um, number yeah, so four. Two thousand seven. Oh, two thousand five. Two thousand six. Yeah, those are. Those are Kobe's years. Yeah. Like, when you when you think of, like, who were the most dominant players of, of those few years? Before, like, LeBron, Dwayne oh, Wade, players, Carmelo. Players just those didn't guys. know how to handle Steve Nash on the court. Uh, you know, Ben Wallace was still in the league, so. <laughs> the first MVP to average less than 10 points a game. I'd be I'd vote for him. Are you kidding me? Uh, okay. Last, last two, just because, you know, I'm, I'm feeling spunky. Um, <laughs> March fourteenth, nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, shortly after yours truly was born, round of sixty-four. Uh, number fifteen, Coppin State. Number two, South Carolina. South Carolina is an eighteen and a half point favorite. Coppin State became the third ever fifteen seed to win a tournament game as Eagles stunned SEC regular season champion. Game was tied at halftime. Coppin State outscored South Carolina thirty-eight to eighteen in the final thirteen minutes to win by thirteen points. Um, the margin of victory remains the largest by 15 seed in a tournament game. Coppin State 78, South Carolina 65. And there's a couple tied here. Um, so March 15, 2001, round of 64. Number 15, Hampton beats number two, Iowa State. 17.5 point underdog. Um, first tournament appearance by Hampton, who were in their sixth season as a Division One program. Uh, Hampton's Tarvis Williams put his team up one with 6.9 seconds left. Nice. Uh, and Iowa State's Jamal Tinsley missed a layup at the buzzer. Despite shooting 38.9% from the field and 15% from the three, Hampton won 58-57. to 57. And tied with that one was March 14th, 1986, round of 64. Little... Sorry, I was, I was looking up something. No, it's okay. Stats. Um, but the Hampton game, that was against Iowa State. I'm assuming you yeah. talked about that one. You've seen the image of when Hampton won and they – lifted up now or i don't know if he still is but he for a few years ago he he was uh creighton's assistant coach and he was the head coach for hampton in that game and the center picks him up and he's like just just, oh yeah like flailing his arms yeah yeah, exactly steve Uh, murfeld what a guy um last one here just because there's this list is like 18 teams and i'm not going to go that far into it but um little rock and Notre Dame, number 14, number three, 17 and a half point favorite. Little Rock wins 
90 to 83. It was also the first upset of a 14 over a three. And then probably most recently of a 15 two was um, Middle Tennessee State over Michigan State, 16 and a half point favorite. Um, was Michigan State, and that one was that was a fun one. So, um, but yeah, basically the point being is, you know, I know the lines aren't that big, but there are two um, I tell you what, underdogs yeah. uh, this weekend in Texas Tech and, and Auburn. And, and personally, if Auburn wins, it's just a declaration that if you pay your players, you're going to make the Final Four. Absolutely. That's know. how it works. And that's just what I think. That's, I can't so. wait. I can't wait for those days to start. Oh, I'm just kidding. Maybe. Uh, hopefully not. I mean, they already. Come on. I'm talking about with Nebraska basketball. <laughs> you know. Oh, starts paying their players? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to accuse Fred Hoiberg, which I want to say this. I believe that but. Fred, Fred Hoiberg, the hire of Fred Hoiberg, is more of a splash hire than Scott Frost. Oh, yeah. Really? Because everyone's like. here. Here's why. I've got like so many have, box scores. We're gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're just gonna say <laughs> you got all the box scores, brother. Um, I'm gonna read every one from so, Tuesday. Uh, I want to hear your reason. Have, I have because so, I have my reason too. First of all, in the part of it, uh, why Scott Frost was a bigger hire? Of course, football's bigger here. Scott Frost, the five million son. dollars, the seven it's, years, you know, the, our, he our could have son. He, he kind could, of got. He almost got cold feet and almost stayed at UCF. Mm-hmm. But with football, we were good at one point. And mm-hmm. over, I mean, of course, the last few years we've like sucked. But you know, even yeah. since then, we've still been a good, for the most part, a decent football program. So, like, this is the twentieth year of Nebraska not winning a conference title game mm-hmm. in football, yeah. right? But they've played in like five. I think they. I, I think I, I said this on the show one time. From 1997 till now, like when the Big 12 was the Big 12, yeah. like Texas, Nebraska, everybody. Mm-hmm. Texas and Nebraska have played in the same amount of Big 10 – or Big – they played in the same number of conference title games. Yes. Now, the Big 12 ditched theirs when Nebraska left, so it's kind of, you know – But Nebraska's only been in one since they left. Right. So uh, – and Texas has been in one now, I think, too, since they brought theirs back. But the point being was that – in that time span, yes, Texas had won them, but essentially, like, yeah, Nebraska was still same, getting there the in enough regularity that they could have won. And basketball has always sucked. We were good for, like, eight years. We were good from, like, 91 to 98. NIT championship. But we were all – we were good enough. I mean, we had – yeah, we had our third seed season. Mm-hmm. Blew it. No, I mean <laughs> – but we've never been a good basketball program. Buzz saw that was Xavier. I'm telling you, man. Uh, and, I mean, hey. so for us to get Fred Hoiberg, who while at Iowa State, in my opinion, was a top 10 coach in the country, mm. for him to come to us is wild. Yeah, and here's 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 why there's the distinction. We were talking about this yesterday, and uh, people have posed this question. Like, will, will Nebraska football win a Big Ten – title game before basketball yes. wins a tournament game no. see and here's why i say it's football one yeah football. one because frost has been here all, an extra year already right so the culture's already there. the honestly, players are here but here's the other thing R- think about last year who won the big 10 west 
Northwestern. They were eight and five. Now, yes, they won seven of their conference games, but all it takes is one down year for the side you play in, and then you just have to beat Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Now, that's not an easy task, but on any given night, any team can do it. And not only that, it's it's a very low chance, but I see a chance of Nebraska football in this next season. They have a legitimate shot at winning the conference, I feel like. Yeah, and the, the reason they do is it's, because they're – not, They're not the favorite of – yeah – no, but Wisconsin is going to have a true freshman quarterback. Iowa will be good where they always are. Northwestern, who knows? Purdue, who knows? You know, like some of those teams are always just like, Honestly, hey, if they're I, good in their first three games, then we'll expect them to be I, good when we play them. But, I kind of – I hate that I'm so drinking the Kool-Aid so much with this, but I seriously expect them to be in the – have a decent expectation for them to be in the conference championship game this year. Yeah, maybe not. And if they're not, they don't reach it this year. It's like okay, fine. But they're in second place. Yeah, like, because of how much that team improved, and they're just building off of that more and yeah. more. Like it annoys me. It annoys me so well, much that I'm buying into Nebraska football. And, and as think as I about am. and think about like all, all we've heard from spring practice. Like, yeah, not all the guys are here quite yet. But you keep hearing like, yeah, no, everything's going really well. And then every day, every couple of days, you'll hear like, man, they just got to get better. If you don't want to do this, don't be here. But at the same time, then in two days after you hear something like that, they're like, oh yeah, wide receivers are playing really well. They're being really aggressive. Frost, like, you're only hearing good things. If not it's, only that, Frost on Tuesday said that he that was the that practice was the best one he'd ever been a part of, ever. Yeah. And I'm like, it's yeah. Huh? yeah. <laughs> what? It's like, do uh, not coming from a guy that won a national don't, title. Please right? don't do this to me right now. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> and here's here's the thing. Here's the last thing before I get in a box horse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, here's the thing with you the Fred Hoiberg thing. Scores. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll run through them. Um, the other thing too is like the point people can make for the tournament game is all you have to do is face uh, nobody in a play-in game. But what happens a lot is you know. If, you, if you're in a playing game as a Nebraska, you're not as the 16th seed. You're as yeah. the 11th seed. So you're not playing a nobody. But you could make a play-in game and win that on any given night. And guess what? You got your first tournament win. So I, I can see that. But the reason the Hoiberg hire is bigger than the Frost hire is because Frost was, I feel like, expected to come exactly. here. Exactly. It was a matter of... And he's coming to a program that's already established itself right. at some point. And... You can say, like, oh, he got cold feet, he got whatever. But at the same time, and, and Hoy, I, I saw a lot of parallels in their press conference, but basically neither of these coaches would be here if it wasn't the right time to be here. But And, and Frost said that. But at some point, Frost was going to come back. I Like, I don't see him ever being like, no, why would I ever want to do that? The it only thing would be, me? like, you don't want to ruin your reputation at Nebraska by it what, you, it not annoys me getting too, it is I remember during that hire, and then, well, please, we need to get in the box first. But during that time, everyone's like, oh, but uh, he he originally went to Stanford, and people weren't too happy with him in 96. It's like, are you kidding me? He won a national championship with us. Don't don't give me that crap. Like. No, I, no one. Well, I he know, thought about going. He thought about taking the Florida job. He almost, go, who cares? It doesn't matter. He I, didn't this, though. He's the best coach in the country, and he's, I mean, one of them. Yeah, yeah. And he's the best up and comer. And he is from Nebraska, and he, I mean, he loved the state enough to come back, um, to change his mind and come back to it. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hoiberg's just a bigger hire because. In a more program, unexpected. Well, much yeah, more unexpected. A program. Well, you know, you throw enough money at anybody, they might come here, but. 
Um, I hope that wink picked up through the microphone. Anyway. Um, the point just being is that, like, as a program that has not really gotten to the, the pinnacle of basketball, to get a guy that has been at the pinnacle of basketball, mm-hmm. it's incredible that – yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the perfect hire that you could make. And if he's only here for three or five years and doesn't stay for the full seven, I mean, you it, you, you're going to be left in a better place to hire another coach. Exactly. So, all right. Don't want to speculate that they're going to need a box new one. Scores, box scores. All right. Box, Some box. of these I'll just kind of run through because we've got ten minutes, and that's all that's right. about thirty minutes less than I need. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, starting off, second most runs in school history, Michigan softball. Uh, defeated Toledo in a five inning game twenty four to three <laughs> where they only had twelve hits. <laughs> even better even better you read you read the scoring summary and they're all like, oh so and so scored unearned. So and so scored unearned. There were now let me double check this because I want to get it wrong. Um eleven unearned runs. <laughs> And they walked third. So so they walked thirteen times. So twelve hits, thirteen walks, twenty four runs. Uh, Michigan goes six thirteen five zero doesn't back. That thirteen innings like that one's Bugs Bunny cartoon where they just literally have the the just diamond keeps filled, hitting, just but keeps the difference through. is that it's walks. <laughs> uh, Toledo goes zero zero zero. Three zero three five two, um, so yeah, there you go. There's Michigan softball, um, a, a regular to the show, Mississippi State baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in front of their, you know, smaller crowd, seven thousand five hundred thirty-two, yeah, exactly. uh, which is about two thousand less than last week. Uh, but it also was a Tuesday game, so um, they defeated the University of Louisiana Monroe twenty-one to eight, um, with nineteen hits. Monroe had 11 hits. Uh, Monroe goes 0-0-2-2-2-0-0-2-0 for eight runs. Mississippi State, 7 0 0 10 0 4 0 0 didn't bat. So they only needed three innings to get 21 runs. Um, there you go. And I believe one triple and two home runs. They walked eight times as well. So that was probably one of the biggest wins of the week. Um, let me grab this other softball. This was another good softball one. Uh, St. Francis defeated Penn State 17-13. to um, Wow. 17 hits, and Penn State had 15 hits. So they just put it on a tee. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. St. Francis goes 3-1-9-0-2-2-0. 17 runs, 17 hits. Penn State 0 4 3 3 one. So it was pretty – I mean, it was close the whole way through. 13 runs, 15 hits. And Penn State had one – oh, yeah. I remember reading this stat. Penn State had a uh, program-high six home runs in this game um, despite losing by four. Um, so there's that. You know, you hit six home runs and you still lose. I, I don't know where you go from there. Uh, St. Bonaventure beats Penn State in baseball 18-6 to uh, with 21 hits. Penn State had 11. St. Bonaventure is goes 4-0-2-3-0-1-4-0-4, 18-21, one error. Penn State 0-5-0-0-1, 0-5-0-0-1, 0-5-0-0-1, 0-5-0-0-1, 0-5-0-0-1, 0-5-0-0-1, 0-5
zeros the rest of the way. Six runs, 11 hits, four errors. And St. Bonaventure, no home runs, but they did have five doubles, two triples, and they walked six times. Hitting it off the wall. So it's done. <laughs> and then here here were the two that jumped out the most. And these these are series. Um, it's not so much the the individual wins, but it's the culmination of, of the weekend. Um, and, and these two were just nuts. So Monmouth University. Yeah. Um, we know them as their bench mob, but you know I don't know if they do that for baseball. Uh, I think everyone kind of does it to base for baseball to an extent. Yeah, I think it's just you know it's a little bit. So they have a, a series with St. Peter's, and I don't know if you know where St. Peter's is, but I didn't at the time. Sounds familiar. Jersey City. Um, okay. Their mascot looks like a peacock. I don't know yes. if that's what they are. Yes, yes, yes. I know what you. Yep. So they played a double header where Monmouth won twenty-seven to one. All right. Okay. And then they won eighteen to four. <laughs> um, and I'll open those in just a second. But the third game, which was played on Monday, I think because Sunday uh, was rained out or or they moved it to Monday, uh, St. Peter's wins three nothing. So after getting outscored, um, you know, forty five to five, they decided you know, to win. 3-0. You know that they Gatorade showered their coach after that three zero. We're going Omaha. Uh, I just want to open this twenty seven to one just to see. Yeah, so Monmouth twenty seven runs, twenty four hits, no errors. They go four zero one three 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 four two seven. So not only they went in up twenty to one in the top of the ninth, and baseball is a sport where you can't run up the score. Yeah, and they scored seven more runs. It's just like uh, they uh, and uh, they played in a, in front of probably a St. Peter's record crowd, one hundred and twenty three people. Also, St. Peter's got their first win by beating Monmouth um, on Monday. So. Oh, congratulations to St. Peter's on their first win. Maybe their first career win. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. And the last one, a little bit of Ivy League baseball. This oh, one was, absolutely. This one was interesting. They, you um, know they play small ball. Like, there's just. Oh, oh, just wait. All right. So, Dartmouth. Yeah. Um, Dartmouth last weekend won their series against Princeton, or two weekends ago, won their series against Princeton well, with games of 23 to 3, 10 to 8, and then they lost um, 8 to 2. They beat Quinnipiac in a middle week game. And then, they're, then they go on the road to New York to play Columbia, right? Yeah. Game one of a doubleheader, they lose. I'm going to pull the box scores, both the box scores up, uh, or all three of them, actually, because this was, this was the series of the week um, that I'm, I'm implementing now. So, game one, uh, Columbia takes the win 23 to 9. Right? <laughs> okay. uh, so Dartmouth 0020015109 nine runs, 15 hits. So mm-hmm. still impressive. Yeah. Uh Columbia goes 0103766. So they basically score all the runs in the back half. Uh 0 didn't bat. 23 runs, 24 hits. And Columbia walked they walked 7 times. They had one, two, three. I think they had five doubles, and then they had three home runs. All right. So it's like, okay, cool. A big, just a big win. Game two, following this one. Yes. Dartmouth wins twenty-three to one. So they just lost twenty-three to nine, and now they just won twenty-three. What to was one. The, what was their locker room speech after the first game? 
You see what they did? Let's let's We're do that do too. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dartmouth goes. You're not getting a scholarship. You're in the Ivy League. Uh, Dartmouth goes zero six zero five one zero three five three. 23 runs, 22 hits, no errors. Columbia scores. They they jumped out to a one nothing lead and then didn't score the rest of the game. Um, attendance, 333 people. Dartmouth, they had one, two, three, four, five, six. Sixers. Eight. One, two, three, four, They five, had sixers. nine doubles and yeah. three home runs. All right. Okay. So then, then the um, – and they got walked six times. So then the series ends on Sunday, right? Oh, You're boy. thinking like, All right. you know, <coughs> how can wow. this get better, right? <clears throat> uh, Columbia wins eleven to one. Um, Columbia goes one one three zero one three two zero. Doesn't bat. Eleven runs, fourteen hits. So basically, uh, if I add these, yeah, up, you don't, usually don't hear a baseball game of eleven one be like, oh, that's normal. Yeah, that's, oh that's yeah, finally some real baseball. Um, <laughs> So Dartmouth, Dartmouth finishes the weekend with 32 combined runs. Columbia finishes the weekend with 35. So, and the hits I don't, I'm not even going to add up, but there were a metric ton of them. So there are your box scores of the week. Well, there you go. How about that? I was wondering if I could give a shout-out to Rolly and shout-out to Mustache Man, shout-out to Sideshow. Shout out to Whirly. Shout out to Pot Roast. Am I missing anyone from that group? Uh, I think we got all our boys. Yeah. All right, we got all the boys. <laughs> and then uh, shout out to my dad. And we got to shout out all mommies. Keeping it high and tight. As we always do. Shout out to um, Dartmouth and Columbia Baseball for not playing small ball in the Ivy League. And shout out to St. Peter's for finally getting a win. There we go. Um, and have, you know, at least having a good time. Are you really having a good time if you lost 27-1? Well, when you win 3 nothing, when you win your first game, you're That's true. It. All right, Jake, 15 seconds. Um, who wins or who plays in the Final Four? Or in the in the title game? I, I'm still taking Virginia all the way. I don't know who they're going to play, but I'm, Virginia's going through, and I'm going to win my family bracket challenge. I'm going to stick with Sparty. Uh, for That's Jake fair. Larson, I'm Colton Stone. It's been fair. Chasing History. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you guys next week. Appreciate it.